Good morning, Mountain Park. My name's Alan. Uh, glad you're here. Uh, last night was was rough for me. I had a little run-in with one of my kids, and uh, he did a little bit that uh, that that he shouldn't be proud of, and I kind of did the same. And and uh, man, it was just hard. It was just heavy. And uh, and this morning I woke up and. And uh, he crawls into bed with me, and, and uh, he just kind of puts his face on mine, and we just cuddled this morning for about five minutes, and it was a beautiful thing. And as we were worshiping, I was just thinking, uh, maybe some of us this morning need to do that with God a little bit, based on however your week has been. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we want to come into your arms uh, today, that whatever our circumstances are, whatever is going on in our life and our, our own uh, brokenness, our own mistakes, God, we want to come and we want to be embraced by you today. We, we want to be reminded that you will hold us no matter what our situation is. So we come before you this morning with open arms, God, open hands, come, move, teach us, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in uh, 2011. Uh, we are doing what we call whole shebang Last week we started Whole Shebang Part 2. We're doing in 2011 the same thing that we did in 2010 by committing an entire year to God's grand story, the Whole Shebang, the overall story of God. And we're going to look through the same seven sections that we looked at in 2010, but we're going to do it a little bit differently because we are going to focus on, uh, our subtitle is Getting Into Character. That a storyteller has the task of highlighting a certain characteristic for characters. That's the task of the storyteller, to say, here's what I want to elevate from this. So uh, Charles Dickens, when he's writing Christmas Carol, he wants to make it very clear that Ebenezer Scrooge is stingy. That's how the story moves, that the writer of Sherlock Holmes wants to make it very clear that Sherlock Holmes is perceptive. If someone was writing the story of my life, I think they'd want to make it very clear that Alan is incredibly charming. Thank you. I heard it. Yes. You, you may have uh, selected a different word uh, as I was uh, moving through that. Just remember, this is God's house, and uh, we are encouraging uh, uh, here in this place. But it is the task of the storyteller t- to highlight a characteristic. And so what we're doing through this, uh, through this whole year is we are looking at the different characters in God's story, And we are looking at what are the characteristics that God wants to highlight in these characters in hopes that God would build our character through that journey. Now, uh, I'm not sure if this was clear last week, but we're providing new binders for everybody, whether you're new or you've been here before. We encourage you to go ahead and grab a new binder. You can use the one from last year if you'd like, but we kind of thought that maybe it was going to get a little bit full from last year if you had filled it up. So go ahead and grab a new one, and you can have your whole shebang binder and your whole shebang part two binder. And each week, we're going to give you a piece of paper to put it in there if you would like. You're just welcome to do that with us. Uh, We are starting off... Whole Shebang Part 2, looking at, at three foundational characters in the Old Testament story, in the story of Israel. God is sometimes introduced as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When, God, uh, when Moses says, whom shall I say is sending me? God says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These three are referred to as the patriarchs of, the, of Jewish, Jewish history, of Israel's history. Last week we looked at Abraham, highlighting his characteristic of faith. And next week we're going to look at Jacob. And this morning we're going to look at the person named Isaac, who is Abraham's 
son. We are going to pick up Isaac's story in Genesis chapter 25. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to go there. Once again, I do invite you to bring your Bibles. Uh, it is so helpful to bring your own Bible to get more used to it, more familiar with it. Get the pages a little little used. They turn easier that way. Uh, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we'd be thrilled to give you one in the lobby. So we're going to uh, move to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And we're going to start chapter 25 in verse 19. This is the account of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Now, if you may remember a couple months ago, I talked about the story of Rebekah. This is the young lady who fed all 10 camels, and her work ethic was incredible. And so this is the story we talked about a little ways back. Isaac marries Rebekah. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. We're going to come back to that that inquiry a little bit later. Jump down to verse 24. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. Now, those of you who are parents, you have birth stories. I I know that every parent has a birth story. I think it's unlikely that many in this room have the story where the baby comes out and everyone says, Oh, look, it's a werewolf. (laughs) And they named him Esau, which means hairy. Now, you might think that's a little bit cruel, but as I was reflecting on this, I was remembering my childhood, and, and the neighbor to our left, his name was Mr. Man, M-A-N-N. Mr. His wife was Mrs. Man, which always kind of confused me, but his name was Harry. His name was Mr. Harry Man, and he must have enjoyed the ridicule through middle school because he named his son Harry Man Jr., he kind of kept the thing going. A little, little bit bizarre here. So they named their son Harry because he looked like a werewolf when he came out. Verse 26, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Uh, Jacob means a heel grabber. I guess. It does. It's supposedly mean. I don't know why they have a word for heel grabber, but apparently it, it means trickster. It's like, oh, you heel grabber, you, that that's kind of a phrase that they would have used. Uh, Jacob means trickster, heel grabber. Isaac was 60. I don't have a neighbor uh, named that, by the way. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man staying among the tents. Isaac had a taste for wild game. Uh, uh, Who had a taste for wild game loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. This is essential to our story, that Isaac the father was partial to Esau, who was a hunter, and Rebekah, his wife, was partial to Jacob. Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. 
And uh, uh, the story that flows here in the rest of chapter 25 was that uh, was what Esau did with his birthright. Esau came out first, so he had the birthright in the family. And this was a big deal. They got at least twice the inheritance of the rest of the kids. The firstborn son got the birthright. Big deal. Now the story goes on in chapter 25 where Esau comes in and he's super hungry. And Jacob is eating some stew. And so uh, Esau says, "Give me! I'm so starving. Give me some stew. Give me some stew. And Jacob, just like a brother, says, I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright. I mean, doesn't that totally say, I love the Bible, it's so real. And Esau says, well, I don't, whatever, I don't care about my birthright, you can have my birthright, just give me the stew. I mean, it's, it's lentil stew, I mean, if it was beef stew, I could perhaps understand it a little bit. It's lentil stew. Esau is not, he's the hairiest man on the block, but he's not the smartest one, uh, Esau uh, in this deal. This is, now jump to chapter 27. This is kind of, all that was kind of setting up for the story we're looking at this morning in Genesis chapter 27. Verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your weapons and quiver and bow And go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca, now pause here. Birthright has to do with with finances. Blessing has to do with the blessing passed from, uh, from God to Abraham to Isaac. And then Isaac gets to choose who that blessing goes to. Blessing was a big deal. Verse 5, now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, remember, Isaac loves Esau, Rebekah loves Jacob. Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jump down to verse 14. So he, uh, Jacob, went out and got them and brought them to his mother, Rebekah. She prepared the tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins, which makes me want to ask, how hairy was this guy? (laughs) They took goat skins and duct taped them to his hands to effectively fool the father that this was Esau's hands. Really quite amazing. So uh, uh, Jacob does this. He takes the food to his father Isaac. Jump to verse 21. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac and touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Like, what hairy hands you have, grandma. 
I mean, you just, I think this story's hilarious. I mean, what was going through Isaac's mind to possibly be fooled by the bloody, smelly goat skins taped to Jacob's hands? You've got to love the Bible. You've got to love these stories. Uh, continuing, verse 23. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Jacob gets the blessing. Esau comes in uh, soon after this. He's huffing and puffing. He's the one who did all the work. He gets, the, uh, he gets the, the wild game. He prepares it just the way his dad likes it. Comes in, and then he realizes that he was too late, that the blessing had already been passed to his younger brother, Jacob. So Esau is left to just sit and sulk and brush his face. That's kind of all he has left there. That's just what I have in my, the picture that I have in my mind. So here we have, here we have one of the patriarchs in the Jewish story. And this is pretty much his main story. This is the main story of Isaac. What characteristic do we get to pull out of this? What characteristic do you think the storyteller wants us to draw from this? As I've as I've kind of uh, bounced around on, on this, I, I, think, I think he's just a normal guy. I think Isaac is a normal guy like you and me. He is a regular person. And he has a significant role in the whole shebang. He has a significant role in the story. Just like you and me. I mean, look at his upbringing. He's got some strikes for him and he's got some strikes against him. He's got strikes for him, and then he's well-bred. He's Abraham's son. Abraham, the man of faith. He's his son. He's got some strikes for him in terms of his marriage to Rebecca. If you remember that story, it's just it's a marriage made in heaven, this union between Rebecca and Isaac. It's a great story. But he also has some strikes against him. There's... Uh, perhaps a time later on in his life when he's in a counseling session with a group of people and they say, well, can you tell us about your relationship with your dad? And he could say, well, one time he asked me to carry some wood up a mountain. And I asked him what, the, where, what we were going to sacrifice when we got there. And he said, well, the Lord will provide. And then we got up there and then he tied me to an altar. He tied me there. And he's ready to, to light the altar on fire and to slay me as the sacrifice. And he didn't stop himself. God stopped him from doing that. That'll mess a kid up. I mean, that'll mess a kid up. Being normal doesn't mean you're wound-free. We're all screwed up. And we all have incredible potential. I mean, we all have strikes for us and strikes against us. Now, Isaac has some moments where he does have some good character. In chapter 26, there's this other kind of main story of Isaac where he, because he is blessed as the heir, as the son of Abraham, God blesses him and his crops are, are flourishing, but the people around him are jealous. And uh, what he has is wells for water. And the people around him, out of their jealousy, they fill up his wells, just fill them all back up. And so... Isaac steps back, and he, he goes after one well, and he says, well, um, to his workers, let's go ahead and dig this one back up. Digs it up, finds the water, and then the neighbors come in and say, no, that's our well. That's our well. Step aside. That's our well. 
Okay, Isaac steps back, goes to another well, digs it up, finds water again. And they say once again, no, that's our well, get out of here. And they're bullies to him. And then he finally goes to a third well and he digs it up and he discovers there's water under there and that's where he gets his water. Now one could say that he's wimpy or a positive spin on that is that he's, he's meek. He is confident that God will continue to take care of him. He doesn't overact, overreact. He doesn't pout. He just kind of continues to move forward. There's an element of that where he's, he's a normal person. Isaac is not a villain and he's not a superhero. He's normal. He didn't, he didn't kill a hundred people. He didn't save a hundred people. He's a regular, he's a regular person. I think there is an important part of being an adult is realizing that there isn't, there's no such thing as bad people and good people. There's no such thing as, okay, these are the bad people and these are the good people, that every bad person has good things about them and every good person has areas where they're struggling. And it is in that normal journey, that normal walk of ups and downs and strikes for and strikes against, it's in that normal journey that we encounter opportunities to build our character. And Isaac had an opportunity that we just read about in chapter 27. Isaac has a serious weakness. He has an Achilles heel, if you will. It's mentioned three times in the story I just read. I want to just... Read them again, just real quickly. Chapter 27, first of all, in verse 4, Isaac says, Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Jump down to verse 9. Go out to the flock, Rebecca says, to Jacob and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Verse 14, she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Isaac had a thing for venison. He had a thing. Now venison, we typically connect that with deer meat, but it's just game meat. Isaac had a powerful thing, a powerful thing for venison. He wanted it badly. He, he was, he wanted to, he loved Esau because he loved the venison that Esau would provide for him. He chose Esau to give the blessing to the idiot who passed his birthright on for a bowl of stew. He wanted to pass the blessing on to Esau because Esau is the one who would go hunting and provide venison for him. Esau was his dealer. He had a serious issue with venison and everything had to go through that filter. He ignored his, his mind in this. He ignored what his mind knew. He knew that Esau was just a big dumb hunter. He was like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. No one fights like Esau. No one gives birthrights like Esau. It's he, had, he was just a big, dumb hunter, and he knew it in his head, but he didn't act on it. He ignored that. Isaac ignored his own, his own heart with regard to Esau as well. That in chapter 26, right before this, it says right at the end of that chapter, uh, it talks about Esau's wives. And at the end, verse 35, it says, They, his wives, were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac knew that there was something 
There was a problem with Esau, yet he continued to say, that's the one I want to give the blessing to. That's the one I want to give the blessing to. And worst of all, he ignored God with regard to who he was supposed to give the blessing to. Jump back to verse 25. Chapter, sorry, chapter 25. There's a verse I skipped over when I first read this. Verse 23. God said to Rebekah, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Esau will serve Jacob. This is the will of the Lord. God spoke. And Isaac was so passionately obsessed over his venison that he wanted Esau to be the one over Jacob. Now, as a result, things got messed up for their family. As a result, Isaac stepped into something that is terribly wounding as a parent. Parental favoritism. The idea of saying, I am going to favor this child over this child. Let us not, as parents, let us not do that. To favor a son over a daughter to favor a firstborn over a secondborn, to favor your child over the stepchild, to favor your natural child over an adopted child. May we have character, unlike Isaac and Rebecca in this story, to not have parental favoritism. It is so wounding. And our kids don't, don't deserve that. There's just tremendous results from Isaac's fixation on venison. And, and there's, there's wounding and, and separation that happens between him and Rebekah because of this favoritism. Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. And so mom and dad are separate. When mom and dad are separate, they will fall. And so it is essential that mom and dad are together in terms of parenting, in terms of punishment, in terms of discipline. How are we going to do this? Are we doing this together or is there a rogue within our family? That it is essential that parents are together and work it out as adults to say, how are we going to handle our finances? What about our future? What about our vacation? How are we going to spend our money? How are we going to do this? This was slipping away from Isaac. Isaac was not interested in tomorrow. He wasn't interested in what is in the best interest of the nation of Israel down the road in terms of who would get the blessing. Isaac wanted venison now. I want it today. You get me what I want, I'll give you your blessing. Give it to me now. See, persons of character go beyond the desires of today. Persons of character go beyond today's gratification and look toward tomorrow's hope. Maybe there's today's gratification that can be set aside for the benefit of something bigger down the road. So the question this morning is, what's your venison? What is something in your life that you must have? Regardless of what your head says, your head says it's not logical for me to go after that the way I'm going after that. 
Regardless of what your heart says, that you know it doesn't feel right to go after that thing. Regardless of what God himself may be saying to you, either personally through your quiet time or generally through scripture. Regardless of those signs, what is something that you are going after? What is, uh, elsewhere in the Bible, it's refers to as a desire of the flesh. What is your venison? What is the desire of the flesh that you cannot let go of? Maybe it is an addiction. <clears throat> Drugs or alcohol or porn or sex. Maybe it's a game or a hobby or a collection or a sport or exercise. Running, working out, dieting. Now, those things in and of, they're not bad in and of themselves. It's not bad to desire, to want those things, to long those things. It's not even bad to love those things. I love hockey. I love, I love hockey. I love ice cream. I love movies that don't have Cameron Diaz in them. I love them. So that's not the problem. Loving those things is not the problem. It's that when we, when we love those things to the point where it has a negative impact on our character. When our love for those things has a negative impact on our character. If, if, if there's a thing in your life that has power over you, that's your venison. If there's a thing in your life that you prioritize over other things that you know when you step back you shouldn't be prioritizing in that way, that they, you prioritize this thing over work or marriage or kids or your relationship with God, that's your venison. If there is a thing in your life that has a negative impact on your integrity, on your performance, on your productivity, on your strength, that's your venison. And may we be wise enough not to justify this stuff and just brush it under the rug and say, well, when I look at my venison, at least it's nowhere near his or her venison. And say, you know, I justify mine. At least it's not as bad as that. Or perhaps we justify it based on our previous struggles. Well, I used to be uh, interested in that, but at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm doing this now. So now I'm in a better venison situation so I don't have to deal with it. See, persons of character acknowledge their venison and are bold enough and courageous enough to do something about it. And just to wrap up, just one plan in terms of what to do about it is to get it out, is to let somebody know about it, is to talk about it, talk to somebody in your life about it. Get it out. It is the first step in addiction processes that we would talk about it, that you would say it out loud, small or big. What is something that has control over you that you don't want to have control over you? To get it out. This process from Isaac to pass the blessing on to Jacob, this is supposed to be a huge celebration. The passing of the blessing is supposed to be a beautiful celebration. We see later on in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob passes the blessing onto his sons, and it is a party, it is a celebration. That's what the passing of the blessing is supposed to be. That's not what Isaac does. He does it in secret. He says, Psst, Esau, do this, and I'll give you the blessing. Why does he do it in secret? 
Because he knows it's not right. Because he knows this is not what Rebecca would approve of. He knows that it will not stand up when put before others. That is a, an amazing way to tell if something is right or wrong is our willingness to lay something before the scrutiny of others. Anything that is done in secret is to be questioned. So is your, your time, your decisions, your relationships, your checkbook, are they an open book to God, to people that are closest to you? Or are they not in secret? If they're not something that you can lay before others, then what's your venison? What is the thing or things in your life that are getting in the way of the character that God wants to build in your life? Isaac was a normal person like you and me. And he succumbed to his desire of the flesh. And he focused on this rather than what God had for him. And God's story, it plows through that. But Isaac is the one who missed out. He missed out with regards to his relationship with his kids and his wife. May that not be us. Would you pray with me? Father, we are surrounded in this world by things that we want. And some of them are gifts from you that we get to enjoy. Some of them are not. I pray, Father, that you would give us the wisdom to know the difference. I pray, Father, that, that you would help us identify something that we are desiring in our life, something that has control or power over us, that is having a negative impact on our character, on the character that you are building in us. And if that thing's been around for a while, we have already proven to ourselves we can't just deal with it on our own. And so, God, would you give us the strength to bring it boldly before you and to bring it boldly before somebody that we trust? God, we thank you for Isaac's story. He's a real person. He's a regular person. So, God, just as you continue to work through his life, would you continue to work through our lives? May we be reminded today as we crawl into your arms, may we be reminded that you are all that we need in the midst of our efforts to go after other things. We want you, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen.